Hey, USA Volleyball fans. This is Steven Munson, co-host of the USA Volleyball Show. Here's an excerpt from Christian Hartford's NTDP Academy course. Hey, everyone. My name is Christian Hartford. On this course, we're going to talk about how to maximize performance while on the road. Me personally, and I tell all of my athletes this, it is perfectly okay to be that weird-looking person stretching by the bathrooms on an airplane. You should definitely be doing that, right? As athletes, especially volleyball players, we usually have some long-limbed athletes, and so sitting on airplane seats gets pretty tight. Therefore, we usually tell them to get up every hour or two, depending on the sleeping, obviously. But if you're awake, get up every hour or two and stretch out, just lengthen out. Whenever you're sitting in a seat, either on an airplane or in a car for so long, your hip flexors are gonna tighten up. Usually our posture is affected because the seat pushes our shoulders forward. So whenever you stand and you're walking around, try to stretch things like your quads, your hip flexors, okay, stretch out your pecs, maybe you know, put your arm up on the wall and kind of just get, get a good chest stretch, open those shoulders up, right? But the most important general theme here is to keep moving. If you wanna learn more from me on how to maximize your game, Subscribe to the NTDP Academy at usavolleyball.org. promised you this is episode number 34 of a double header of the usa volleyball show we are the official podcast of usa volleyball had to get that in there somewhere (laughs) i was gonna say it didn't start off like we normally do so i wonder how many people just like oh this is the wrong podcast you know double header we're gonna see who's actually (laughs) listening you know yeah yeah yeah. our real friends of the pod that's right (laughs) Uh, again like uh like you know like we mentioned in the past episode like you just mentioned right now uh this is our second episode episode 34 uh we're going to dive in with u.s men's national team technical coordinator nate go and talk about the 2022 ncaa men's volleyball championship what teams to watch and players to look out for during competition yeah if you missed it go back and listen to episode 33 and actually if you want to finish this episode out you can you don't have to listen to them in order you can go back and listen yes, to episode they do. 33 That's the law. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> go back and listen to episode if you want your news or your latest news USA volleyball news you have to listen to episode 33 so there you go uh we're not going to repeat it here but back to it episode 33 go back and listen it features olympic bronze medalist and Fox Sports, ESPN, and Pac-12 broadcaster Holly McPeak, who will be on the ground and on the air for the NCAA Beach Volleyball Championship. We get Holly's insight on the championship field, teams to look out for, and what makes the event unique and exciting. So definitely worth listening. Definitely go check that out if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. And also, just to reiterate what Steven said, uh, if you didn't hear our uh, you know, news updates, go back and listen to episode number 33, then come back here. But you actually also have to go back if you want to hear about what's going on and what city we're in right now, because that's also where the <laughs> updates were, too. Uh, long story short, uh, we'll be splitting up towards the end of May for two separate events. But you got to listen to episode 33 to find out when and where. So. There you go. Oh, nice teaser. That was good. That was mm-hmm. good. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it works. We'll see. But uh, all right. Enough with us. I know you had enough of this in episode 33 if you listen to it here is u.s men's national team technical coordinator nate go nate thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us uh i know you and i talked about doing this back when we went snowboarding together uh right after the women's national team uh, open program uh, when you're in town in Colorado Springs for that. Uh, so really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us ahead of the NCAA men's championship. Really excited to have you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's uh yeah, like you said, it was kind of a long time coming back yep. in our, during our shred, shred sesh, uh, <laughs> which we gotta, which we gotta make happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gone since? Uh, I went last weekend and two weekends before that to Mammoth to close out the season. So nice, nice. Yeah. It's been good. I've gone, yeah, I've gone a couple times, maybe three times since then. And 
I don't think I'll be able to make it back up. They they actually might be close. I haven't even checked. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely that slushy, slushy spring season snow right now. <laughs> yep, yep. I take whatever I can get. And Clarence, I am. Uh, if you ever go up with me, I'm a horrible guide. Uh, so we will we will lose each other a couple times. I lost Nate for like probably half an hour <laughs> on the mountain because I missed a turn. But hey, we'll have a good time though. <laughs> I was gonna ask, what does that even mean? And I'm like, I was gonna like, some knowledge, you guys, but I'm kind of scared. Steven just, like, just gave me some free time. He just wanted me to explore the mountain a little bit on my own. I told <laughs> I told him the route. What ex? What what? You know, runs we were gonna take. What where we we're gonna exit? And I completely missed it. Left him <laughs> <in the audible. laughs> uh, It was fun though. It was a good time. Ah, uh, such a good day. Um. All right, let's jump right into it. Nate, question that we ask all of our guests: How were you introduced to the game of volleyball? Uh, yeah. So I grew up in San Francisco, and fortunately for me, uh. There is boys volleyball in high school in San Francisco. Uh, certainly not, you know, super popular by any means. But uh, you know, I was a big basketball fan uh, before high school, and uh, when I got to high school, I tried out for the freshman team. Had no left hand. Couldn't, you know, couldn't dribble with my left. Couldn't make a layup with my left <laughs> hand. And uh, and so did not make the basketball team. And then. Uh, we were, you know, we, I had PE class and we're, I remember in PE class we're, you know, certainly wasn't any kind of organized volleyball by any means, but I went back, my team was down, I think like six to 14 playing to 15. I went back and served 10 points. And I was like, Oh, maybe I could do this. So. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> Nice. You and I have that in common uh, as far as the basketball side goes. I uh, vertically challenged myself and then, yeah, I did not have a left hand at all. <laughs> so I was cut out, cut my sophomore season from basketball and went yep. the soccer route from there. But uh, I don't think I ever nice. knew that, Steven. <laughs> yeah. 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 Played my freshman year basketball. I love basketball was my favorite sport growing up. Um, I didn't even play volleyball till college till collegiate club which we'll talk a little bit about nate later um but yeah before that i just kind of played for fun with you know sand sixes with my friends uh and uh, that was my introduction to volleyball but really fell in love with it when i started playing collegiate club college club one thing um, I never got a chance to play, but I think that's a real uh, interesting take that, you know, but like a lot of the West Coast side of things and, you know, California, to be specific, you know, do have these men's prog boys programs available. Um, you know, I played my senior year of high school and, you know, you talk with, you know, people from around the country. They're just like, yeah, no, we didn't have it. So, you know, it's just a really, really fortunate benefit to have. But then you get to college and, you know, where are they again? So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> But um, I think I want to jump over to this question since we're talking about collegiate. Uh, you played collegiate club at, uh, at Cal Poly. Can you talk about that specific club experience there? Oh, man. Yeah. College club was is just such a blast to play. You know, like I, I didn't know I didn't know a whole lot about college volleyball, um, you know, outside of what I saw on TV on the final four, like when that was on ESPN two. Um, and so I didn't know anything about the recruiting process. I didn't know anything about that. I, I didn't really think, you know, that I was, uh, I didn't even really think that I was good enough to play in college. Uh, at, at, and you know, at any point anyways. Uh, and so I was really, you know, certainly Cal Poly is a great school. Uh, and so I, I, you know, went there more for more so for school. Uh, they didn't have a men's NCAA team, but they had the club team. So I, I joined that um, and I played against I played with some guys that I had played against in high school, which was awesome. Uh, I played on the team my first year. And then as a five nine setter, I was like, ah, you know, I mean, I probably, you know, I'm okay, but I'm probably not going to, you know, make a career out of playing by any means. And so, uh, I ended up, um, well, but even before that, I, I'd 
gone. I started at Cal Poly my freshman year as a student manager for the women's NCAA team. Uh, so I did that during the fall uh, and then uh, played club, you know, kind of winter spring of my freshman year. And then when I came back my sophomore year, uh, I was I became the volunteer assistant for the NCAA team. Uh, and that's when I kind of picked up data volley. And then I was also approached by the women's club team uh, and I was asked if I would be their head coach. Uh, and so I actually ended up being the head coach for the women's club team for three years, which was, you know, for me, as someone who was like, oh, I'm not really, you know, going to play too much longer. Uh, that was an awesome experience for me to kind of learn, you know, learn the ropes and, and apply all the things that I was learning uh, with the NCAA team uh, on my own as the head coach for the women's club team, uh, which was a blast. And I did that for pretty much the rest of my uh, college career there. And, uh, you know, I mean, not to brag, but I got to I got to throw in the fact that we did win uh, the inaugural NCBF Division One women's uh, hey. championship uh, in go. 2010. So shout out to that group because that was, you know, certainly a highlight during that time. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Looks like Clarence, Clarence uh, sent us a message that his team's crashed, but looks like he's back now. <laughs> All right. I think I'm good. Sorry. About yeah, that. that's uh no, that's an awesome experience and cool that you got to connect your experience on the NCAA side of things and move that over to your club side uh, when you were coaching and kind of the head coach there for that team. Um, was that kind of your, did you realize at that moment that you wanted to go more into coaching and that data volley side of volleyball? Yeah, I think that happened, uh, pretty early on. Um, you know, I had, I had actually been helping out. I was, I was a gym rat in high school, so I was, you know, playing all the time as much as I could, uh, you know, certainly during my, uh, my seasons in the, in the spring, um, and I was helping out with our girls high school team in the fall as well. Right. And so that's kind of where that all got started. Um, and then, yeah, I just, uh, the girls high school coach, uh, she's, you know, kind of big time in San Francisco, Margie Bima at Sacred Heart Cathedral. She was the one who encouraged me, uh, to reach out to the head coach of the women's team at Cal Poly, who was, uh, John Stevenson at the time. And, you know, I just kind of, I was like, Hey, I'd, you know, love to help out any way that I can. And, uh, that's kind of how that started and data volley just kind of fell in my lap. And so, uh, I thought I, at first I, I kind of had it in my mind that I wanted to be a math teacher. Uh, that's where I was kind of, okay. uh, was going with that in the beginning. And then as I got more and more involved with, uh, volleyball, I was like, oh, well, you know, you kind of get the teaching aspect as a coach. And then it's also a lot more personal, which is really cool. And you get to spend, you know, people aren't necessarily forced to be on, you know, in the gym with you as much as they are kind of quote unquote forced to be in a classroom. So, uh, I kind of enjoyed that dynamic a lot and, uh, it just kind of, it just kind of grew from there. And, uh, you know, the more that I did it throughout, uh, my time at Cal Poly, um, you know, the more I was like, Oh, well, this is fun. Like, I'm just gonna keep it going. We'll see where it takes me. Yeah. Did you, ever think it would take you to where you are now with the men's national team? Did you have, you know, <laughs> going to the Olympics and international events like that? You've traveled all over the world uh, for volleyball. So yeah. Did you ever think that was a possibility? I mean, that was certainly not the impetus. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm not particularly entrepreneurial. And so, you know, like I, it's, I've, it was never like this, Hey, I've got to go to the Olympics or, Hey, I've got to, you know, do this or that. It was just, it was honestly just kind of like, Hey, volleyball's fun. Uh, you know, and I like being in the gym and I like, you know, teaching and, and, and all this stuff. And then obviously, you know, I did my undergrad at Cal Poly. Uh, I got my degree in math. Um, and so I was just, that was just kind of the train I was on and it just, it just all kind of fell together. Like, Oh, here's data volley, like this thing where I can apply math, uh, to volleyball. So two things that I actually, you know, enjoy and just kind of mesh together. And all of a sudden I found myself in this kind of cool little niche of like, Oh, you're like, you know, I'm somebody who's been doing data volley now more than many people in the country. Um, 
And at the time, you know, data volley was just kind of like ramping, ramping up in terms of how many people were using it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly it was a lot of work, but it was also just a lot of right place at right time as well. Uh, is that intersection with, you know, data volley math and, you know, your love of the game, um, does that draw a lot of passion or is there another focal point that, you know, just really draws that satisfaction in, you know, seeing, you know, everything you do and all the hard work that, that kind of, you know, sees it through there to what you do. Like, is there another point in, in that, that really just draws to that passion? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, certainly I, I, I like the coaching element of it all, right? Like I, I, I do, you know, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to just be the, you know, you know, I think there's a, there's a, it's really easy and a really common like trope, I guess, to like, oh, you're the, the data volley guy, you're the stats guy, right? And so, uh, you know, I think uh, throughout all my time doing this, right, like that's, certainly opened a ton of doors for me, you know, like Steven, as you had mentioned, obviously being with the men's national team, uh, you know, I'd, because of, because of my ability to do data volley, that was a major factor in, uh, once I was done at Cal Poly, uh, Nebraska had reached out and asked me to come and join them to do data volley for them, uh, as a grad student. Uh, you know, so that, that piece of it opened a ton of doors for me. Uh, but I always, you know, certainly I think the, the impetus, the passion comes from like getting to, you know, be a teacher, right. Uh, or be a coach and, and have, you know, build that relationship with, with the student athletes and, you know, now professional athletes. And, uh, you know, I think that, that at the end of the day, that's where, you know, that's where that's what's most enjoyable really, uh, for me, but, you know, obviously the math part is fun and the, you know, getting to combine the two is also really fun. So, Let's talk about, we've, you know, kind of touched on your involvement with the U.S. men's national team. Can you talk about your role with the team, how long you've been with the team, um, and maybe just, you know, some of your favorite memories being with the team? Yeah, uh, pretty wild to think that uh, I, I got hired in 2015. So I've been here for, oh, what, seven years and counting now. Um, so... Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just in terms of the day to day, what that looks like is is obviously very different um, just between the summer time when we're in competition and we're actually in season and then uh, the rest of the year when we're not. Right. Uh, the summer, you know, gets pretty nuts like we're you know, we train. Uh, you know, we're, we have some form of training, training, usually six days a week. Uh, our usual schedule goes Monday through Wednesday, a light day on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday is our day off. Uh, and so during those days when we have practice, you know, certainly I'm, uh, coding, uh, six on six, you know, tagging all the events, making sure the video is recording, uh, you know, synchronize the video. That's certainly the you know, one of the main responsibilities that I have. And then uh, beyond that, you know, when we're not playing six on six, you know, I'm I'm out there and I'm hitting balls and, you know, entering balls, whatever, you know, shagging, feeding, feeding balls to spread, whatever we need to, you know, kind of get get the get the court rolling. Um, and then after practice is, you know, we'll meet, we'll, um, you know, talk about, you know, help make roster decisions uh week to week for whether it's vnl or making the roster decision for you know world champs or olympics world cup whatever it is uh and then in the competition competition days get pretty crazy uh you know there's multiple matches a day uh during these big tournaments and so you know i'm there usually scouting scouting the matches live and then going through um and cleaning up the matches after the fact uh, certainly we're, I'm scouting in, um, you know, our own matches, uh, which is super fun, like getting to be on the headset connected to the bench, having the different view and, you know, trying to track, um, you know, is, is there any tendencies? Are we on game plan? Do we need to make any adjustments, any things like that? So that part's obviously the super fun part, uh, you know, and, uh, as far as, Favorite memories, uh, you know, certainly winning is winning is always fun. Winning the World Cup in 2015, uh, yeah. that was that was a blast. Um, you know, uh, winning the bronze medal at, at, in Rio, um, uh, just 
just the way that it all went down, you know, down 0-2 against Russia, coming back to win in 5, 15, 13, hopping over the barriers, sprinting over to the coaches like that's Incredible. You know, yeah. pretty <laughs> just getting goosebumps just, you know, thinking about that. Um uh, and like you had alluded to earlier, um, you know, getting to go to some pretty cool places. One of my first uh, international trips with the team in 2015 was actually to Iran. Uh, mm. So that was a that was a pretty wild experience, um, you know, in a stadium packed, you know, you know, I think it was like capacity 12,000. They probably had more than that. You have, you know, people sitting in the stairs, uh, you know, and, and it was the, the crazy thing was it was so loud. There's like, you know, everybody had the Vuvuzelas going like the horns. And the the craziest thing was you have, uh, you know, when we're actually playing, when the ball was on Iran's side of the court, dead silent. They wow. play they play the ball over, play the ball over the net balls on our side. Deafening like. So yeah, like, inst, like instant, 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 wow. right? We pass that hit ball goes over silent again. Ball That's... comes back. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really cool. Never. I hadn't seen anything like that before um, or experienced anything like that. So uh, definitely one of the, you know, top experiences for sure. Um, to be able to experience a match in Iran. <clears throat> You touched on a little bit of your role during, you know, actual game days and, you know, match days. Does that change? I know it's crazy regardless, but does that um, does it alter or change a little bit based on whether, you know, you're at the, you know, you're at the Olympic Games or whether you're at an international match like DNL or, you know, different situations, depending on the severity of, you know, just the match in general? Uh, does what change? Just does, you know, your, your role day to day, uh, your during matches. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, you know, it, uh, which tournament it is, it doesn't really change the role. Um, okay. you know, I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of the interesting thing about international volleyball, uh, is right. It's like Olympics, everybody is paying attention. Right. But it's really at the end of the day, if you take that part out of it, it's no, you know, it's not much different than any other tournament internationally. Right. Like the maybe the format is a little bit different. It's it's unique in the sense of, you know, you play every other day. There's no other tournament where you're where we're doing that. Um, but outside of that, like it's it's just, you know, to a, to a certain degree, it's just another tournament. It's just the the big difference is after every match, like. After a VNL match, I'm not getting, you know, 15, 20, 25 text messages from other people like saying, oh, man, that was awesome. Right. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody knows that we just played Sylvania in a, you know, in a VNL match. Um, right. But uh, yeah, so not, not a whole lot different uh, from tournament to tournament. Um, but uh, I think maybe more than anything in terms of change is just uh, how my role has kind of evolved over the course of my time with the national team. Uh, you know, I think when I when I first got hired, I was certainly brought in to be like, hey, I'm, I'm good at data volley and I'm going to get you, you know, I'm going to be really good at tagging the information. I'm going to be really good at making worksheets and I'm going to get coaches what they need uh, in terms of information. And uh, and now that's kind of evolved a little bit more into like I'm getting help now uh, in terms of, you know, gathering the data, cleaning the data. And then, uh, you know, I've built some more uh, tools and, and learn some more uh, methods to, to analyze data in a, in a much more interesting way than just looking at, you know, just a table of numbers. Uh, and so kind of helping our coaches see like, Hey, where are the, the patterns, you know, of, in terms of, uh, are we winning or what's the, what's, what are the differences in terms of us winning and losing? Where are the patterns, uh, you know, from skill to skill? And, uh, is there anything that we can, is, is there anything that stands out that it's like, Hey, we should really be working on this or, Hey, you know, we're good here and we can, just make sure we maintain and so on and so forth. Nate also gets in there and drills and tears it up too. He's out there digging balls and hitting. I've seen it. I've seen it. You got game. Don't sell yourself short. I mean, you know, you're not just a guy, you behind, just a guy behind the keyboard. You know, yeah, I got, I got some other skills off the computer. <laughs> got a few skills there. So, um, so, 
when the when the men's athletes are with their professional teams, are you keeping contact with them? Are you analyzing their matches as well, their play uh, while they're overseas? Yeah, so th- that's kind of that's a really cool part of this job is um, when they're overseas. Yes, we are keeping track. Uh, you know, between myself uh, and now with uh, Matt Furbringer back last quad would have been with Rob Nielsen, uh, largely, um, and Brian Thornton. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of monitor monitoring our guys, watching our guys matches, you know, staying in contact with them. Uh, the assistant coaches will do a lot more of that. I did. I stepped up and did a lot more of that, uh, certainly in the, you know, kind of funky 2020 year, uh, and 2021 leading up to uh, Tokyo, um, just when we we didn't have Rob and, uh, you know, Ferbs wasn't with us uh, quite full time yet at that point. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's a lot of what that kind of time is. But that also allows a lot of time for me uh, in for to do a couple things. One, which is, uh, you know, just really learn, uh, you know, kind of explore and learn different um, different ways to do things. Um, you know, I certainly over the last few years, I've been learning this, uh, learning how to use a programming language called R, uh, just like the letter R. And, and that's where we're, we're doing a lot of our analyses now. Um, and so, you know, that has opened up a lot of uh, creativity in terms of how we analyze and how we look at certain things. Um, so that's uh, from a, from the USA perspective, but that's kind of my time to explore and experiment with things like that. Uh, and also, and with the support of, uh, John Spra, uh, we've, he's also allowed me to go, you know, coach in different capacities, uh, which I've done a bunch in the fall. So for example, I've coached at Irvine Valley college, a junior college out here. Uh, a couple of years, my first couple of years here, uh, I went and volunteered uh, at University of Denver uh, for a year in 2017. I went back to Cal Poly uh, and volunteered at, uh, you know, back with the women's team uh, after we were done with world championships. Uh, I volunteered with UCLA Ben um, in 2019, 2020 before COVID sh- uh, shut us down and then coached some club with uh, Matt Furbringer's club in 21. And then uh, now I'm coaching as an assistant coach with uh, Carrie Pestalacy or Carrie Hemberling, I should say, uh, at Cerritos College, uh, junior college women's team uh, in the fall. So that's, yeah, you know, again, yeah, being able to do math and volleyball and have, you know, fuse that and do it at a super high level, which is super awesome. But then also at the same time, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to, to go flex my coaching muscles a little bit and grow grow my coaching muscle a little bit, uh, in, you know, different, in different, a lot of different capacities, uh, which has been a really great experience for me. That's really cool. Yeah. That you have that flexibility to go, um, not only coach with the men's team, but also go and coach at these colleges too. And like you said, you know, strengthen your resume and your repertoire, uh, so to make you better when you go back to the national team. That's awesome. Mm. Well, let's uh, kind of switch gears here. And big reason why you're here is you're so close to the college game. You keep a, a close eye on the college game. You have your Twitter analysis that I've seen you kind of post updates through the season, um, doing heat maps and all kind of game analysis too. What, um, you know, who have you been following closely during the NCAA men's season who are kind of the, you know, the strong front runners heading into the championship. Yeah. So, uh, if you, if you had been following the men's game, uh, over the last week, I guess, uh, or last couple of weeks, uh, you'll know that there was some pretty, uh, some pretty chaotic happenings, uh, during the conference tournaments. Um, you know, and so, you know, Speaking of the MPSF, the number one seed UCLA, uh, you know they had lost to Stanford in the in their semifinal, um, and then Penn State losing in their final uh, to Princeton, um, which unfortunately for them had uh, knocked them out of the NCAA tournament. So uh, a lot of craziness going on there for sure. Uh, as far as the teams that we're following, you know I, um, I, I was going through and. Uh, 
you know, going through individual matches and, um, and kind of, you know, cleaning up some of the data from those matches to, to kind of run some analyses that are kind of in line of, with what, with what we do in the men's national team. And so, uh, you know, that kind of served two purposes. One was obviously to keep, you know, keep a closer eye on, on the men's college game and see, uh, you know, which, which are the guys who are, you know, you know, should be on our radar as far as, uh, VNL and, and, you know, hopefully down the road. Uh, the other, uh, the other, portion of that being, uh, you know, certainly coverage of men's volleyball is, uh, you know, maybe not quite at the level as let's say women's volleyball, even, um, and certainly other, uh, other sports. And so, you know, I think it, it kind of came to me like, Oh, I can kind of, you know, two birds with one stone. Like, you know, I'm, I'm running analyses that we're interested in from the, as a men's national team staff. And then also, Hey, let's, let's, do some cool things and put some interesting stuff out, um, you know, out in the public sphere, um, so that, you know, we can get some, maybe some, some interest, some more traction, uh, at least from an analytical standpoint, uh, for men's college volleyball. So, uh, in terms of who, which teams that we're, uh, tracking, certainly, you know, the, the top teams in the country, uh, as, as you see from, uh, the seedings in the NCAA tournament, uh, being the number one seed Long Beach state, um, you know, ball state, the number two seed, and then if you kind of follow, you know, I don't think they list it per se in this way, but um, the three seed essentially would be Hawaii, uh, the four seed being UCLA and then Pe- Pepperdine five, Princeton six and then North Greenville seven. So uh, certainly looking at those top four teams, uh, you know, there's athletes on those student athletes on those teams who are certainly um, on our radar in terms of national team uh, potential. And so, you know, just, uh, you know, it's been interesting. It's been fun to watch, uh, you know, in terms of Long Beach state, they've got, uh, you know, maybe arguably one of the best Libros in the country in Mason Briggs, uh, you know, and, and arguably one of the top outside hitter, uh, duos in the country with Spencer Olivier and Alex Nikolov, you know? So the, the other interesting thing is with all the, you know, with all the foreigners, uh, in college, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, that guy's good. Oh wait, he's Bulgarian. You know, so, <laughs> yep. uh, can't play for us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so it's been fun to kind of to kind of follow along and see, you know, how does how does my analysis uh, that I do with the with the men's team, men's national team, track uh, with college, and uh, you know, so it's been fun to fun to put that kind of stuff out. Um, as far as the other teams, you know, Ball State, uh, really interested, you know, really interested in seeing uh, Caleb Jenis, Jenis. Uh, you know, apologies to. Uh, these guys who I, I may butcher your your names since as far as pronunciation, but he's been having a really, really good season, uh, especially offensively. Um, so we'll be interested to watch him uh, during this uh, during this next week in, in the tournament and hopefully beyond. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know. UCLA has got, you know, certainly my boss, uh, and his team, uh, you know, and he's got, he's got a couple guys on there, uh, you know, Merrick McHenry in particular in the middle, who's been really, you know, just really fun to watch all season long. And so, um, yeah, it's really, you know, and I didn't, I didn't mention Hawaii, but Hawaii also has, you know, just a lot of foreigners. And so, you know, uh, as fun as they've been to watch and, and follow along, uh, you know, I think we maybe pay a little bit less attention just because <laughs> none of those guys can play for us. So. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Are there any uh, underdogs you might be seeing coming out of, uh, you know, some of these matchups uh, going into the tournament that that we might not be aware of? Yeah, as far as, uh, you know, I think. The for those who don't know the the NCAA men's tournament, there's only seven teams, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. And so, uh, you know, and, and I'd mentioned that uh, UCLA and Penn State had lost uh, in their respective conference tournaments, um, and so that opened the door for Prince uh, Pepperdine and from the MPSF to. Uh, come into the tournament, uh, and then Princeton from the EIVA on the East Coast. Uh, they're you know they got in 
by beating Penn State in the final. Uh, and so, you know, certainly those, uh, at least on, on paper, those would be the, probably the two underdogs per se, uh, North, North Greenville uh, being the automatic bid from the Conference Carolinas, uh, you know, and they're uh, just with seven teams, you know, that's just, uh, you know, they're and, and them being in the Division Two conference. I mean, no, mm-hmm. you know, certainly no disrespect to them, but it's, you know, just not, uh, you know, just a different level of volleyball um, for Division Two. And certainly there have been players that are have been coming out uh, from Division Two who have gone over, gone on to play overseas and are, you know, doing a nice job for their teams there. And uh, we're c- certainly paying attention to that as well. Um, but hopefully until we can get that population of boys volleyball, um, you know, growing even even more um, to hopefully get those teams, uh, you know, kind of closing that gap in terms of just uh, really at the end of the day is, is physicality. Um, you know, I think that that conference Carolina's team is going to be uh, generally your 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 top underdog right uh, in the tournament. Um, but I think Princeton can be pretty interesting. I mean, certainly Penn State was a very, very good team all, all year round. I think they had one of, you know, certainly uh, one of the top, uh, you know, just complete teams they had. They had, um, you know, good production from all six, all seven positions uh, all the way around. And so for Princeton to be able to go in to Penn State and beat them, uh, you know, I think that you probably on high alert if you're if you're playing Princeton, you know, certainly at this point at the NCAA tournament, you're you're not sleeping on anybody. Uh, and then Pepperdine, you know, they've they've kind of been, uh, you know, they've not necessarily at the top, uh, obviously, of the polls, but, you know, they're just kind of in that kind of group below. And, uh, you know, I think on any given day, they can be a very dangerous team. Uh, you know, they have a, a Jalen Jasper, who's who transferred over from from Stanford. Um, and, uh, you know, he's nice physical opposite for, for Pepperdine. And, uh, if he's able to get it going, um, you know, that's, it's going to be a tough night for whoever they face, which is UCLA in the, in the, in their first round matchup. So, uh, but yeah, I think as far as, uh, if there's a favorite or not, uh, Long Beach state, ball state, Hawaii, UCLA. I mean, those are your top four seeds essentially of the of the tournament and i think this year maybe more so than most years in the past like it's honestly pretty wide open and uh yeah i think this could be one of the more interesting tournaments uh you know this year as we've seen uh in the past few years yeah with no kind of clear favorite are you just you're expecting a lot of back and forth some long matches maybe um between some of these teams yeah, you know, I think uh, if, in terms of the analysis that I've been doing, I just, you know, the thing that I've that you that I that's kind of shown up more and more is just how unique uh, the styles of each teams are, okay. mm-hmm. right? And so there's just different strengths and weaknesses, and you know, you know, one one team may match up well against another, but maybe they don't match up as well against somebody else um you know so i think uh as far as uh you know as i was kind of studying these teams and for the for the podcast in particular uh you know i think definitely don't sleep on ball state and i mean why would you sleep on them they're the number two seed in the tournament but you know certainly uh i think if in terms of if you're considering Long Beach, Ball State, Hawaii, UCLA, like one of these things is not like the other as far as recent history goes. Uh, but they, uh, as far as as far as their, you know, the metrics that I was pulling, like they are very good in all aspects of the game. Um, so you know they are going to be fun to watch, and uh, you know it'll be it's going to be a very interesting matchup uh, to see. Uh, when they play the winner against Hawaii versus uh, the winner of Princeton, uh, North Greenville. So it'll be fun to see that. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And then, you know, of course, the beach championships is going on the same weekend, too. So a lot of volleyball, a lot of fun, a lot of fun uh, volleyball on a big stage, too, uh, happening on ESPN. So that'll be fun to watch for everybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, really quick before we let you go, um, just, you kind of mentioned just 
the growth of boys volleyball um, and how, you know, once that starts to, it's, it's come a long way, even, you know, since we were uh, in high school and, and before that, but how do you think, how do you think we should all be helping out grow, grow boys volleyball? Um, you know, as far as, you know, you, USA volleyball level um, at the club level, what club directors may be able to do, what coaches can do, even junior athletes, what, what can they do to grow volleyball, boys volleyball specifically? Ooh, yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, and, you know, for, I don't know that I have a great answer per se uh, from a large overview standpoint of it, uh, you know, just in terms of like, what can USA do? Uh, you know, certainly John, um, you know, Spra, he's been doing an incredible job growing the yep. game yeah. uh, in particular through the first point foundation, um, you know, just helping get college programs started. I mean, you know, I feel like with, all the from all the uh, club directors that I've met in my time with the national team, like everybody, you know, women and girls club directors, you know, there's there's a lot of interest, uh, you know, of of having boys teams uh, in their clubs, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. it's awesome, right? Like, I mean, we you look at uh, you know, like Stanford, uh, you know, there's they had setter Nathan Litsky, who's from Austin, Texas, and you know they. Uh, his his father Glenn Litsky uh, is with Austin Juniors, and uh, you know, and they're they're supporting boys volleyball in that way, right? Um, you know, and Merrick McHenry from UCLA also played on that club, um, you know, and so you're seeing that support, like, uh, and even uh, when I when I was at Nebraska, um, I had coached some club for VC Nebraska under Maggie yeah. Griffin, uh -huh. and uh, I had coached two seasons, one, one season of 13s and one season of 12s. And during my year of 12s, uh, I had a 10 year old boy on the team, right? Awesome. Like, cause they, you have, you're able to play, you know, if I think it, there's, there's some age limit there, age right. limit restriction there, but, uh, that was awesome. And, and it was actually really cool. Um, uh, the boy's mom had, uh, tweeted me, uh, and sent me this video of him. He's playing, I believe, at Belmont Abbey now. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, right? Like, so that was cool. <laughs> that was wild to see, A, because it was like, <laughs> I don't know, you were 10, and now you're playing college, which is wild. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, but, you know, it just, uh, you know, it's it's cool that, that uh, you know, a 10-year-old boy in, that's growing up in Nebraska could, you know, go on and play college yeah. volleyball. So, uh, you know, so... So I don't, I don't have a great answer. I, I feel like, you know, the, I think there's certainly support. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the answer is from a, you know, oh, from a larger infrastructure standpoint, uh, outside of, Hey, we, you just got to get some money to, to, you know, athletic programs that are interested in, in starting men's volleyball programs. But there's been, you know, some exciting developments as far as, uh, I know you, I, I know South Carolina has, has sanctioned uh, boys volleyball as, a, as an official high school sport. Uh, I believe they did it in Utah as well. I know they're uh, fighting for it in uh, Indiana and Minnesota. So, uh, you know, certainly there's there's a lot of progress happening. Uh, and, you know, I think for, for me, uh, as far as what I can contribute, you know, hopefully, hopefully this what I'm doing reaches somebody on Twitter that that makes, you know, that can you know spark a you know spark some interest uh outside of our our volleyball bubble that that may help um, but yeah it's uh you know certainly i feel indebted to the sport you know and and um you know super grateful for all the experiences that that volleyball's given me and continues to give me and uh you know hopefully i can i can kind of give back in whichever way that is whether that's coaching or or supporting men's volleyball on twitter or you know whatever method there might be then uh hopefully hopefully i can do that yeah that's awesome definitely really cool to see your journey and hear about your journey through volleyball and what all the sport has given you too um we just talked to matt anderson and and his journey through volleyball and obviously one of the best players in the world, but you know, he mentioned you might not ever 
get to that level. Might not ever make it to Olympics, but you're going to have a really great experience in the sport. No matter where you end up, you might even just meet your best friend Mm -hmm. uh, or college roommate or like you be a statistician on the men's national team. Uh, so really cool journey. And, and thank you for sharing uh, your path with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, anything else before we let you go? Anything that was left on the table? Uh, no, I think just, uh, you know, if you're listening to this before uh, what May 1st, uh, you know, check out, check out the NCAA men's tournament. It's going to be, you know, the opening round match is uh, Princeton against North Greenville on mm-hmm. the first on Sunday. Um, and then you got some really good matches coming up after that UCLA against Pepperdine on Tuesday, Hawaii against the winner of the Princeton North Greenville match uh, after that. Uh, and then you got Long Beach waiting for the winner of the UCLA Pepperdine match and Ball State waiting for the winner of the Hawaii winner of the Princeton North Greenville match on Thursday and the championship on Saturday. So uh, check that out for sure. Um, you know, I'm going to try to put out some some analyses, uh, some matchup analyses and things like that on Twitter uh, for fun. So, you know, hopefully spark some spark some conversation and, uh, you know, we'll see how how that all plays out. Or can people follow you on Twitter to uh, to follow that analysis Uh, on Twitter? It's Nate go one. So that's Nate N G O one on Twitter. That's where I'm at. Awesome. Nate, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to sit down with us. Really enjoyed our conversation and uh, looking forward to a lot of great volleyball. Yeah, thank you guys and keep up the good work. You guys are doing some great stuff. Will do. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> you know, Nate's just like a really cool down to earth, like, guy you know i met him at the women's national team open program for like literally 30 seconds and i literally was in front of you guys making your uh snowboard plans and then Mm. just always (laughs) just laid back and chill just always a real go flow person too but um you know on top of that it's just really cool to hear him talk about his volleyball journey you know with his first experience in pe class of all classes right that's awesome Um, yeah you know going back to serve with his team down six to 14 then playing to 15 serving 10 straight aces what a if that's not a middle school volleyball game i have i've been that's that's literally and you know yeah school volleyball you know up. go back to your middle school days that feeling you're just like on top of the world she you know your classmates are talking about it for weeks you're the king of the school at that moment so that was awesome to hear that story serving specialist (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean just you know from there having that feeling and then feeling like he can do actually do something with volleyball uh you know compared to you know the other sports he played i know basketball was one of them you know you both were able to touch on that too uh you know it's just how things work out. And luckily, volleyball was the one that stuck. You know, he also talked about how he originally wanted to be a math teacher. Kudos to him because nobody likes math. Don't know why. But, you know, it clicks. It clicks to people like him. And it's so amazing that he's able to apply that mathematical passion and skill into his love of the game of volleyball and just have it all meet in the middle. And here you go. Passion right there. But um, yeah, math, math was not my subject. <laughs> absolutely not. You know, geometry was cool. And then anything algebra related, I hated algebra and calculus. Get out of my face. But like, you know, geometry, obviously, it's easy. But then you go into statistics. That's stuff I like. But whole nother conversation. <laughs> back, <laughs> yeah. back to Nate's conversation. Uh, you know, he mentioned how he played, uh, you know, college club at Cal Poly. Also started coaching the women's college club team uh, while he was a student uh, uh, there. Also their student manager for the NCAA uh, women's team at Cal. Poly. You know, on top of that, uh, he was also getting started into data volley, which is a, you know, very interesting line of work, very, very necessary, needed line of work in today's game across, you know, volleyball and, you know, data across all other sports as well. It's really something that's starting to, I don't want to say pick up because it's already been there, but it's really, really central to, you know, how clubs and teams are able to analyze statistics and analyze approaches and really use those to their advantage. But, you know, again, he started to think that he could bring both his passions together, math and volleyball, and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. We talk, uh, 
talk with a lot of our guests, you know, about their volleyball introduction and their journeys through volleyball. And this one from Nate was just awesome to hear and have that conversation with him because his volleyball path, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't an elite athlete playing professional volleyball on the Olympic team or anything like that. He, but still his volleyball journey took him all over the world you know, with the U.S. men's national team, world championships, Olympic games, all part of the coaching staff uh, on those teams and specifically the stats and analysis side of volleyball. So really cool to, you know, to hear about that perspective, that side um, of volleyball and to have that, you know, kind of unique journey through volleyball that Nate's had. To, uh, awesome that he got to share that with us. Absolutely. I really love how he, how he reiterated the fact that, you know, his position isn't solely, you know, looking at a computer screen, looking at a whiteboard and analyzing oh, yeah. all mm -hmm. of these, all the data, all the stats at all the time too. He's on the court coaching. He's on the court being physically active. And, you know, like you mentioned too, you've seen him in action a lot of the times too. Uh, oh you know, yeah, we can play. Traveling. Mm -hmm. He can Absolutely. play. I love how there he he reiterated he reiterated if I could speak and say that right uh, that there's a really good balance between you know the competition side of things and being active and physical on the court and also you know being analytical as well too I think that's really amazing. Yeah, so great conversation from that side with Nate. Now let's move on to the 2022 NCAA Men's Volleyball Championship and that conversation with Nate. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, we only know Long Beach State and Ball State are confirmed for the semifinals. Um, there's a couple rounds uh, beforehand to, that will determine who those two teams will play in the semifinal round. Uh, listeners at this time, you already know those opponents, so we won't speculate too much in this section. But of course, Hawaii won the 2021 championship. They are strong strong contender to repeat after going 24 and five in the regular season. And like Nate said, a lot of foreigners are on their team. They have a great kind of unique style of volleyball that they play. Um, you know, on the other side of the bracket, there's Pepperdine who finished the season winning the MPF MPSF, excuse me, title after going through BYU, USC and Stanford. Uh, they're coming in battle tested and ready to go. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, they're going to be very interesting to watch if they get past UCLA in their side of the bracket, who lost to Stanford in the MPSF tournament, but it was a close, close five set match. Um, however, UCLA still makes the tournament and they swept Pepperdine twice in the regular season. So we'll see if Pepperdine can rebound and, um, come out on top and I just expect that match between UCLA and Pepperdine to be a really exciting and intense match too in this tournament. Absolutely. And then speaking of UCLA, just want to give a quick shout out to, you know, one of our friends in the pod, uh, you know, middle blocker, Daniel Matheny, you know, oh, yeah. you, you yeah. know, I hope you're doing, having a great season there and, you know, best luck to you and your team during the tournament too. Uh, you know, just had to, had to bring up that little flashback right there too, because that you was know, great. Dan, yeah. Thank you, know, you for that. Stand out, stand out, stand out guy, stand out individual, you know, on a great team at UCLA. We wish you nothing but the best. Hope everything all is well too. But again, just getting back into Nate's insight. He's been watching these games very closely and talked about uh, the different play styles, like you mentioned, uh, you know, that of Hawaii uh, with, you know, their foreigners on their team, too. Uh, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye on, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like Nate said, Long Beach State's Mason Bricks, uh, libero, uh, amazing all around player, too. Uh, I think it's funny how we just had the conversation. I was just going through social media and one of his highlight reels just popped up randomly, mm -hmm. too. And, mm -hmm. you know, really amazing libero. He could be a really, really impactful difference maker uh, with this excellent positioning on the defensive side of things. Also, don't sleep on Ball State. Uh, they've never made it to the national championship match, but with a 23 and three season got them into the number two spot. So they have a very strong chance to make progress, uh, progress. Wow. Make progress into program history. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching ball state. Uh, Nate seemed to think they're a really exciting team, a uh, very high powered offensive team. So um Looking forward, looking forward to this tournament and, you know, definitely a lot to look forward to this weekend, not only on the indoor men's side, but like we said, like we talked about in episode 33, the 2022 NCAA Beach Volleyball Championship in Gulf Shores on May 4th and then May 6th through the 8th. 
And then also this weekend, a lot of volleyball this weekend, Clarence, a lot of great volleyball to watch on national television too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 2022 NCAA men's volleyball championship, May 5th through the 7th. You can watch all the rounds of that event on either NCAA.com or ESPN2. Check the schedule and details on NCAA.com. As Thank we, you. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to do that, uh, but it's okay. You, you got, got me it. off. You guys got to wait another episode for it. <laughs> again, uh, as we wrap up the episode here, again, we just want to give uh, a huge thank you uh, to Nate Go uh, for joining us for this episode. We really enjoyed the conversation we had talking about your path, your specific path uh, to the game of volleyball, how that's taken you into your passion now, uh, how you got into coaching, how you got into the data side of things. And, you know, of course, your expert insight on the NCAA men's championship. Uh, you know, pleasure to have you. And, you know, you're more than welcome to join us anytime you want to talk about anything else uh, regarding regarding life. You know, we'd be happy to have you for sure. And then best of luck to you and Steven on your next snowboarding uh, adventure when the uh when the season comes up hopefully steven knows how to stay on trails this time uh but we'll never know from what we heard (laughs) i'm not a great guide i'm not a great guy but i'll try to do better next time looking forward (laughs) to it nate (laughs) uh now let's move on to upcoming events the usa volleyball beach tour continues here are the upcoming tournaments and the usa volleyball region organizers the Gulf Coast Beach Fest B&Q, May 6th through the 8th, and Gulf Shores, Alabama, Gulf Coast Region. Lone Star ASC Sand May BRQ2, May 7th through May 7th in Cedar Park, Texas, Lone Star Region. The North Texas Mad Sand May BRQ, May 7th in Plano, Texas, North Texas Region. The Carolina Courts Kickoff BRQ Indian Trail, North Carolina, in North Carolina. Uh, Carolina region, North Texas, Mad Sand National Qualifier 1, May 14th through the 15th in Plano, Texas, North Texas region, Northwest Juniors, BRQ, May 14th through the 15th in Snohomish, Washington, Puget Sound region, Southern California National Qualifier, May 14th in Manhattan Beach, California, Southern California region, Gateway Beach Bash, May 14th through the 15th in Chesterfield, Missouri, Gateway region, Carolina Grand Slam National Qualifier, May 14th through the 15th in Apex, North Carolina, Carolina region. And finally, the Lone Star ASC San May BRQ 3, May 15th in Cedar Park, Texas, Lone Star region. Good luck to everyone competing in those events. And you can learn more about the USA Volleyball Beach Tour and other upcoming events at usavolleyball.org. I'm ready to play some sand volleyball. You know, I'm just ready to jump on. I got a time of year, too. I know. I think I don't think we talked about, you know, any volleyball that we're playing and just, you know, the casual adult life. Uh, I got a I got a grass tournament coming up soon. Hopefully, nice. uh, Congratulations. Hopefully Good do, luck. you know, you got to pay to play. So hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, hopefully that does uh, a good job. But then again, a lot of sand coming up. So hopefully that goes yeah. uh, goes well for these aching joints that we all got. But <laughs> on to some national team development program events. Let's spring into these. Ha ha ha. But um, mm. we have first, nice. we have the indoor spring training series from May 6th through the 9th in Chicago, Illinois, followed by the Beach NTDP Gulf Shores Accelerator, also on May 6th in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Along with that, through May 6th through the 8th, we also have the beach vol ooh, excuse me <clears throat> beach paravolley recognized development event in gulf shores alabama once again good luck to everyone competing in these events and we hope you can check out more if you're looking to check out more and gain more information just go to usavolleyball.org big shout out and thank you to all the usa volleyball regions working hard every weekend to put on events for usab membership across the country your work does not go unnoticed we know it's very difficult very time consuming a lot of energy that you guys put into those events so really could not thank you enough and really appreciate the hard work remind your listeners you can rate and review share with friends family teammates it really helps this podcast grow and reach new listeners we are seeing the support come through so thank you so much for listening and sharing the podcast also remember you can chat with us any single time of day that you want to all you have to do is just send an email over to the usav show at usav.org let us know who you want to have featured drop us a line let us know how we're doing or just say 
good job or just say hello literally anything but talk to us and we'll try our best to you know take that feedback and take those suggestions in and really apply that to our episodes moving forward uh you know this podcast is about you guys and listeners and we're just here to provide that also we dropped two episodes this week if you haven't already checked out episode 33 go back Listen to episode 33 featuring Olympic bronze little mist, little mist. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, episode 33 featuring Olympic bronze medalist, excuse me, Holly McPeak and get her insight on the 2022 NCAA beach volleyball championships. It's obviously been a day both fumbling over our words, Steve and I, but it's okay. <laughs> You know, it takes a lot to drop two episodes in one day. And we hope you enjoy episode 33 and episode 34. Until next time, thank you all for listening to the USA Volleyball Show. Remember, we are the official podcast of USA Volleyball. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Laura Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.